what is important to note here is that when we say life director, it does not mean that the director cannot be removed. By section 262, every director can be removed, whether life or temporary or whatever. Welcome to the Fit and Proper Podcast by DigiLaw. Your host, Keyukemi Ubi, and co-host, Jimo Tayo. Hello, you're welcome to the Fit and Proper Podcast. And if this is your first time with us, you, it's nice to have you join us. I am your host, Keyukemi Ubi, and with me today is Tayo Jimo. In our last episode that covers corporate law practice, we give an introduction to corporate governance. And going in that flow, today's episode will be a continuation of that discussion where we'll be talking about the directors in corporate governance. So, Tayo, how are you doing today? I'm fine. Hello, everyone. It's nice to be back here. Okay. So, Tayo, let's just dive right to it here. Let's, um, what, um, who are directors and how are directors appointed? Directors are persons that are appointed by the company to manage and direct the affairs and business of the company. When we say director in corporate law practice, we mean, um, all types of directors, including shadow directors who might not be officially appointed a director, but on whose direction and instructions the directors are accustomed to act. So let's dive right into it. How are directors appointed? Um, first off, um, the first set of directors that a company has appointed at the point of incorporation. So they can be appointed by a majority or all of the subscribers to the memorandum and articles of association, or they might be named in the articles of association of the company. Um, but the subsequent directors um, are appointed um, in two ways, and this is contained under Section 259 of the Companies and Allied Matters Act. Um, they can be recommended by other directors, or they can be nominated by members of the company. If they are nominated, there's supposed to be a notice in writing by that member sent to the company. That notice in writing must be accompanied by, you know, the consent of the person to be elected as director and this notice must come three to 21 days before the meeting of the company so when the notice is received the secretary of the company convenes a general meeting and at that general meeting members can pass an ordinary resolution to appoint somebody as a director after that is done the company secretary is expected to fill um cac form 7a um that is notice of change of directors and send it to CAC with the relevant documents within 14 days. Now, also, directors can be appointed as a result of a casual vacancy. Now, we said that directors are appointed at a general meeting, and, you know, between one general meeting and another, a lot of things might have happened. You know, directors are human beings, so there might be vacancy as a result of um, um, death, retirement, removal, etc. So when this happens, the camera under section 249 provides for appointment of a director by casual vacancy. But this appointment must wait for the approval of the general meeting before we can send 
from CAC 78 to the Corporate Affairs Commission. If the general meeting convenes and they do not approve the appointment of that director, then the appointment lapses. Then um, we also have managing directors. Managing directors by section 64B and 2635 of CAMA can be appointed by the board of directors. Um, the law says that they can appoint someone amongst them to be the managing director. And they can also be named in the articles of association of the company. Um, there are cases like that where the directors were named in the articles of association, like the popular Yala Juamayes case. Um, so it is advisable that when managing directors are appointed by the board, the general meeting of the company confirms that appointment. Um, we also have executive directors. Any director can be appointed as an executive director uh, by resolution of the board of directors. And then the general meeting confirms the person. There's something to note here. At the general meeting of um, a company, when there's um, supposed to be a replacement um, at the same meeting where a director was removed, there's a requirement that there should be special notice under section 262 sub 2 um, to be given to the company. Then we also have life directors. We're going to talk more about life directors when we talk about types of directors. But one thing to note here is that the mode of appointment of life director is usually by naming the person as a life director in the articles of association. You know, this is to protect um, certain persons who are uh, really invested in the company so that they would not be subject to um, rotation laws, but not removal laws. We're going to talk more about that later. So this is um, basically a rundown of um, the different types of appointments that, you know, appointment procedure that we might have when we are appointing directors. Okay, so Stai, I think we started this. Now let's talk about um, the types of directors and how they are elected. Yes, so there are various types of directors and this you know, type might affect the appointment, their duties, and a whole lot more. So um, we first of all, we have shadow directors. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, we can find them under sections 245 and section 650 of the uh, Company Analyzed Matters Act. Shadow directors are those who are not directors formally, but are responsible for, you know, giving um, directions to the directors of the company. They are the go-to persons. Um, and Company Analyzed Matters Act recognizes them that these are people who are behind the scenes, but they're also directors. Then we now have executive directors. These are persons who are in charge of the day-to-day -day running of the company, the day-to-day -day activities of the company. We can find provisions for executive directors under section 2442. Then we have non-executive directors. So non-executive directors are those who are not involved in the day-to-day -day, um, uh, management of the company. They are not, you know, employees of the company. But they are on the company's board of directors to give directions, to give guidance, to give um, strategy, um, advice to the directors and to bring like their valuable experience and all of that to the board of the company. Then we have managing directors. We mentioned them earlier is the managing director is a director, um, occupying like a dual role. So he's a director. 
then he's also a managing director, manages the affairs of the company. But we have to note that, you know, being a managing director does not give that, a person the power to, you know, usurp the power of the board of directors. When the law says that this is a power for the board of directors, then the managing director cannot just say, because he's the managing director, he can go ahead and then, you know, usurp the powers. Then we have alternate director. Um, this is where the articles of a company permits, um, a director can delegate, um, some responsibilities to, um, a person, but, you know, the articles must permit. Then we have life directors. Now, what is important to note here is that when we say life director, it does not mean that the director cannot be removed. By section 262, every director can be removed, whether life or temporary or whatever. But when we say life directors, it means that they are not subjected to rotation laws. It means that they don't have to retire. Um, we're going to talk about retirement later. But what this, what life director means that they don't have to retire and then be subjected to retirement and rotation laws as provided for under camera. So, um, that is basically what life directors are. They can be removed, but they're not subjected to rotation retirement. Then we have independent non-executive director. Independent non-executive director is an, um, initiative of various codes of corporate governance. And we talked about that in our last episode. If you've not listened, please go back and listen. The essence of an independent non-executive director is to bring somebody who is neutral, who does not have any connection with the company, who does not get any contract, who does not, you know, have relationship with the company to guide the company aright. So independent non-executive directors for certain companies are mandated by the codes of various codes of corporate governance. Then we also have first and first directors, subsequent directors. We explained them earlier. So how do we vote during the appointment? The important thing to note here is that if it is a private company, the company can have a single resolution for all directors. So a company can say that, um, Keyukemi Ubi, Akinya Gumbiade, and Tayajimo, the directors of this Digilaw Limited, that is a private company. But for a public company, there has to be a separate resolution for each director. So the resolution must say, for example, that KKMU will be appointed a director of Digilaw PLC. Um, so that difference is very, very important. It has to be separate, separate, separate. So, but there's an exception to the public um, company rule that it can be together if a unanimous resolution has been passed earlier by, you know, the company. So, Tayo, um, since you already mentioned them, we'll talk about that next. That Okay, um, what are the, um, let's talk about retirement, um, rotation, and the removal of directors in corporate governance. All right, so... Um, retirement is a provision of the Company and Allied Matters Act, Allied Matters Act, Section 259. And then it is basically this. As the first annual general meeting of a company, all directors must retire. All of the directors must retire. Um. Yes. They can be re-elected. That's why it's rotation. We're going to talk about re-election later, but the, what to note is that they must all retire except 
somebody is a live director, right, like you mentioned, or the articles of association of the company has exempted, and this is what happens in practice, right? The articles will exempt some directors from being subject to the retirement rule. So, for example, executive directors, so, for example, the managing director, right? So, the reasoning behind this is not to, you know, politicize those who are actively working for the company. So, first annual general meeting, everybody must retire. And then the subsequent annual general meeting, one third of, you know, the, the directors must retire. So, if you have nine directors, um, one third of those nine directors, that is three, three, must retire. But the other part of this is that the law provides that retiring director are deemed to be re-elected, except the director did not offer himself for election, or the members of the company resolved not to fill that vacancy caused by his retirement, or there was a resolution that was called for to re-elect and it was lost. So, so summarily, first AGM, all directors must retire. Subsequent AGM, one third of directors must retire. Those retire, those to retire are those who have stayed longest in office. This can be by agreement or by lot. And retiring director deemed re-elected by law, except the director refuses to offer himself for re-election or the members resolve not to fill that vacancy or um, the resolution to re-elect was lost. So, removal of directors, um, this is basically the almighty section of 262 and um, the judicial decisions that is current and subsisting now is that removal of directors is strictly according to section 262 of the Company and Allied Matters Act. This, this can be, you know, um, seen in the decision of the court in Lunga against First Bank of Nigeria. And also, any director can be removed, including a live director. Um, any director can be removed, notwithstanding what is in the contract. So if your contract says that you are going to be a director of this company for 20 years, you can be removed the following year. But you can seek probably civil remedies for breach of contract. But you cannot use that contract to say that you cannot be removed. So, um, section 262 is subsisting, notwithstanding of anything in the articles of association of the company or the agreements between the company and the director. So, and the procedure is that the, the member of the company proposing to remove the director must give special notice to the company. This special notice, um, is 28 days special notice. Now, once the company receives this notice, the company must send the notice to the director. Now, after that is done, the company must give 21 days notice of general meeting to the members. If the director makes any representation, say defense or whatever, in writing, the company must send a copy of that re representation to the members unless it was received too late. If it was received too late, the, the director may then require that the representation be read out at the meeting to everybody. So when the meeting is convened, the director has a right to attend and speak and address the members and all of that. Then the company then passed an ordinary resolution to remove the director and then make um, necessary returns to the CAC within 14 days of removal and alter the 
register of directors and secretaries. So that's basically how to remove a director. Okay. So um, now we know how to remove them, but we've not talked about the duties of the director. So what is the duty of a director in a company? Yeah. So like we mentioned earlier, right, the director is um, somebody who, you know, directs and pilots the affairs of the company. So when you look at section 279, you see that, you know, the, the, the there are lots of duties. First of there's a um, fiduciary duty to have, you know, utmost good faith and in the best interest of the company. Also, the director must exercise powers for the purpose those powers are created for. So you cannot deviate, you know, from your purpose as a director. Then you cannot, you know, delegate your power in such a way that, you know, would amount to breach of like your duty, you cannot make secret profits as a director, then your personal interest, you know, should not conflict with your duties. So your duty is to exercise the degree of care and, you know, you have to be diligent, you have to, you know, use your skill and do all of this in a way that any reasonable, you know, prudent director would exercise a comparable, you know, circumstances. So those are like just, you know, um, bullet points of duties of directors and we can just check them, check more ourselves. Okay. All right. So you mentioned statutory duties. So how can the statutory duties be breached and what are the processes of enforcement and remedies available to the director? Yeah. So under the, under the company allied matter chart, under section 2821, um, the law provides for professionalism and an objective standard of care and skill. So the law says that the director shall exercise the powers and discharge his duties in good faith in the best interest of the company and shall exercise that degree of care, diligence and skill which a reasonable prudent director would exercise in comparable circumstances. It means that Failure to take reasonable care can ground an action against the director for negligence and breach of duty. So every director is individually responsible for actions of the body in which he is a member. So even if you are absent, unless your absence is justified, it does not relieve that, you know, the director of such responsibility. So, um, the board of directors in, in instances where the board of directors act as a whole, all directors are personally responsible, individually and collectively responsible. Also, directors might be personally liable in certain circumstances. So, for example, um, misuse of loans collected by them for the company meant for some other projects. This is under Section 290. Then they can also be personally liable where, like, less than two directors are actually company incurs debt section 246 or 3. So the um, remedies for this breach would include getting an injunction or a declaration against the director, you know, claiming for damages or compensation, restoration of company's properties from the director, uh, rescission of um, any contract between the company and the director. The director can be asked to account for profits, and they can also be summarized. So, yeah, that's basically it. Okay. When you were um, talking earlier, you said something about notifying the um, CAC about the changes, for example, appointment removal of directors. 
So how does one complete the various statutory forms and draft resolutions for the appointments or removal of directors and also the notice of first board of directors meeting? Okay, so what I can say here, because this is um, for everyone listening, is that in appointing directors, there might be contracts. So one must learn how to draft contracts and there are various, you know, clauses. So um, if you're going to appoint a director, these, these are the things that has to be there and all of that and all of that. Then secondly, um, resolutions are also very important. Um, so resolution, um, like I mentioned earlier, it goes like that. Um, so, 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 and so, be appointed as director of G-Law Limited. You must pay attention to what type of company is it, it is, whether it's a private company or a public company. Then the notices, the notices. So, for example, of notice of intention to, you know, call for a resolution to remove a director. Notices of resignation, if, 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 if a director resigns, how do you send a notice of resignation? Um, also, there's, there's a provision where shareholders in a company can requisition the removal of a director. So that kind of resolution must also, you know, we, the undersigned, being holders of uh, more than one-tenth of the total shares of the company hereby request the following, that total so and so be removed. So those are the things that we need to pay attention to for the purpose of bar finals and, you know, the forms, the CAC 7A and its accompanying documents. All of these forms are contained in the resolution, in the, regu- in the um, camera regulation. So we can see, so regulation, for example, regulation 38, we talked about what happens after a company has, you know, passed another resolution to remove a director. So you fill CSC 7A with a company document and you must send it within 14 days. So I think that's basically all for directors. So yes, that's it. Okay. Thank you, Tayo. As always, it's been a pleasure discussing with you and learning from you. And to our listeners, our choice of topics are based on what you feel in our feedback forms. So where you see them online, don't hesitate to fill the forms. However, over the next few episodes, as it concerns corporate law practice, we will be discussing corporate governance. So watch out for it. Also, feel free to reach out to us through our social media pages. If you have questions and suggestions on Twitter and Instagram, we are at DigiLawNG. We hope you've had a great time today. Till we meet again, stay fit and stay proper. And that's all for today's episode of the Fit and Proper Podcast, a DigiLaw production. For more about DigiLaw, you can check out our website at www.digilaw.com.ng. Follow us on social media. On LinkedIn, we are at DGL Africa on Twitter and Instagram we are at DigilawNG The Fit and Proper Podcast was hosted by Kemi Ubi and Tayo Jimo The scriptwriter is Kemi Ubi Production and editing is handled by Akin Ifani Agumbiade while voiceover is by Fashion Adibi Until we meet again, stay fit and stay proper.